If you want to write stories your readers will love, there are three things you need to do. Understand storytelling principles, see how other writers have applied those principles, and then use them in your own work. Here on the Story Nerd podcast, our goal is to demystify story theory. We'll help you with the first two steps so that you can get started with the third. I'm Melanie Hill, writer, editor, and poet, and I have a passion for spy stories, fairy tales, and master detective novels. And I'm Valerie Francis. I'm a writer and literary editor, and I focus on stories by, for, and about women. On today's episode, Valerie pitched Ray so that we can study character development. This 2004 film was directed by Taylor Hackford from a screenplay by James L. White. Now, of course, there will be spoilers because we can't talk about the movie without talking about the movie. And we'd really love it if you could give the show a rating and review. For Apple Podcast listeners, you can do it right from your phone. Simply go to the show's landing page and scroll to the bottom. It's that simple. All right, Valerie, this is a new season, so I can't wait to hear about what we're going to learn this season in terms of character development. Oh, Melanie, this is going to be a good season. I am looking forward to this one. So in fact, the topics that I've chosen for seasons six, seven, and eight, they all go together. So if you haven't listened to season six yet, uh, go back and do that now. Uh, While you're waiting for each week of season seven, you can go listen to an episode from season six. All three seasons are focusing on some aspect of character. Last season, I focused on empathy and how to create an emotional connection between the reader and the protagonist. This season, I'm focusing on character development. Now, the first thing I want to say is that character development is a problematic term because it isn't very specific. We need to get really clear on what we mean by developing a character. Typically, it's in reference to a character's arc, but, you know, that begs the question, what does it mean for a character to arc? When we drill down on that, we discover that it has to do with tracking the change in a character from the beginning of a story to the end. The questions that follow then are, how and why does a character change? Now, these are really great questions, but (laughs) honestly, they didn't help me much when I was learning this (laughs) because it it, it wasn't enough for me to go on. I couldn't, I could understand it intellectually, but when I sat down to actually write a story and put that theory into practice, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. This is one of those times that Because the theory is easy to understand intellectually, we can all fool ourselves into believing that we know exactly what it means and how to execute it. I mean, I fooled myself until I sat down and tried to execute it and came up with nothing. (laughs) Through our storytelling, our job is to present the protagonist as being one way at the beginning of our novels or our screenplays and another way at the end. And we have to do it in a way that's believable and worthy of the reader's time and money. Now, this issue of believability has always tripped me up because it doesn't ring as true to real life as it should. In the real world, yes, absolutely, people can change. But more often, what changes is our perception of a person. For example, 
we can meet someone new and have a favorable impression of them, think they're great. And then as we get to know them, we discover that actually they're a backstabber. Now, that person didn't change, but our opinion of them changed. Also, it's really, really hard for a person to change. If it was easy, we'd all be living our lives to our fullest potential. We wouldn't have any bad habits. We'd all be the ideal weight. We'd all be earning lots of money. We'd all be setting goals and making them happen because we'd have no trouble changing into the kind of person who does those things. In the real world, we do not want to change. We hold on to the status quo with everything we've got because it's a survival thing, right? We fight change. We don't accept it. We don't willingly do it. Now, yes, there are definitely stories where people change. They reinvent themselves and they start whole new lives, but there's not a lot of them. Those people are rare. And in the real world, you know, if it's a memoir, for example, that we're reading of someone who really did totally change their life and overhaul it, it's fascinating. But most of the time, what changes is not the person, but our perception of them. So when we make this distinction, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, does our main character change? Or does he, over the course of the novel, reveal who he really is? And therefore, what is changing is the reader's opinion of him. For example, and Melanie, you might disagree with me on this one. In The Godfather, Michael Corleone doesn't change. What changes is our opinion of him. He really was that mean gangster all along. It was just buried deep within him. And it was revealed bit by bit over the course of the film. For me, this idea of a character being revealed is a whole lot easier for me to wrap my head around. It's a challenge for us, though, because it means that we've got to really know who our main character is. And in fact, we've got to know who the major and minor characters are as well. But this season, I'm only going to focus on the main character. I'll look at major and minor characters next season. Most writers don't know their protagonist well enough. They might know surface details, like where the character works, what they look like, what kinds of clothes they wear, and all that good stuff. But they can't articulate much, if anything, about the true nature of the character. Why does she do what she does? Why is she in that particular job? Or why has she chosen that group of friends to be with? What is she afraid of? And of course, what does she want? Because character is revealed through action under pressure, knowing the answers to these questions is essential. And that is going to be the primary focus of my study this season. Now, Melanie, before I get into the film, Ray, this week, do you have any thoughts on that? Is there anything you want to add? Well, just a, a couple of things. So I, I thoroughly agree with you about understanding and knowing your character. So in my work in progress, I have a 14-year-old boy who's my protagonist. And while I have not been a 14-year-old boy, I have sat in his mind for a very long time. And in my quiet moments, I sit there and think about what he would do if I give him certain scenarios. And so and so I feel like he is a part of me, 
because of that thinking that I've done about him as a character. So I really like what you're saying there, that it is being, it's almost like acting in some way, isn't it? That you you are being an actor, but what you're doing is you're writing the story as opposed to physically acting out the story of the character that you're inhabiting. And so that's what I think of when I listen to what you've just said. The other thing that really brought home to me the change arc and what you were saying about Michael Corleone is that his environment has changed, right? So he has gone from an environment during the Second World War that has legitimised his true nature, you know, and given it a place of expression where it's okay and legitimate, and then he's moved into another environment where it can go even further than his true nature did when it was in the military because there are rules around, you know, rules of engagement and and those sorts of things and what you can and can't do. But in the world of the of the mafia, um, a lot of those rules don't apply and so he can then go and fully realise who he really is on the inside. So I like what you're saying there about the environment has changed which has meant that character has evolved even further because of the environment and I really like that. And so therefore it is what we are seeing of that character has changed over time and therefore our opinion has changed. So I I like that as well and I think that will lead nicely into my area of study this season too. But, yeah, it, I, do, I, I agree with what you're saying about being inhabiting your character's skin and so I'm, you know, it's funny now going to look at Ray and how that plays out because <laughs> um, he's a very interesting character, isn't he? He is that, 100%. And your note there about it's like acting, you know, I think it is. Not that we need yet another skill to learn, <laughs> but that's part of the the trade in storytelling. If we can learn to crawl inside the skin of our characters and act out their parts, and sometimes I do actually stand up and act out a scene, listen, it works for Aaron Sorkin. So if it's good enough for Aaron Sorkin, it's good enough for me. All right, let's move on and talk about Ray. And before I begin, I just want to have a note here to the fans of Ray Charles. I'm focusing only on the information as presented in the film. I know he wrote an autobiography, and I know there are lots of details of his life that aren't included in the film, but I'm focusing only on Ray Charles as presented in this film. Now, if we think about character development as a character changing from beginning to end, we could say that Ray is poor at the beginning and rich at the end. We can also say that he's alone in the beginning and he has friends, family, and business associates around him at the end. That's totally true. But they don't really tell us anything about who Ray Charles is. If we think about Ray's character as being revealed through his action under pressure, ah, then he starts to get interesting. We know that through his action, we know that Ray is a survivor. He's very smart. He's highly manipulative. 
He is a musical genius. He is traumatized. He has trust issues and he's terrified. Now let's drill down uh, just a little bit into this and I'll give you a couple of examples. Now I said that Ray Charles is a survivor and he's also manipulative. This is established in the opening scene when he manipulates the bus driver into helping him by uh, claiming his blindness is due to a war injury. Now, remember, I'm going to talk about The Godfather again. I have a feeling The Godfather is a movie I'm going to refer back to over and over and over. In that episode last season, I talked about how the character's environment shapes who they are. And Melanie, you just alluded to this. Well, this is another great example. As a child, Ray was not manipulative. He was a good little kid. And his foundational good nature still exists. But because of the time and place where he was growing up and the prejudices he faced against black people and blind people, he had to find some way to survive. His brother and mother were dead, and so he was alone. He needed that driver's help, and since it wasn't going to come willingly, he had to do what was necessary to get it. And in that case, manipulation was necessary. Another way we know that Ray is a survivor is that when he is truly at risk of losing everything, even his music, he goes to rehab, he goes cold turkey, and he's able to give up drugs for the rest of his life. That is his action under pressure. So that reveals who he is. He will survive, even if it means in the short term going through the agony of a cold turkey heroin break. Ray's trust issues are revealed over and over and over. I could talk for an hour just on this one point. As a child, his mom taught him not to trust. What she said was, scratch a lie, find a thief. And when it comes to his business dealings, this is advice he follows and it serves him well. When Swingtime Records shows interest in him, he gives Marlena a chance to be honest with him. He's under pressure here. And this action shows that he wants to believe in the goodness of people. But she lies to him, and he cannot forgive it. When he meets Ahmet Ertegen, he tests Ahmet by playing, quote-unquote, country dumb. Now, Ray knows the answers to all the questions that he's posing to Ahmet, but he wants to see if he can trust Ahmet. And, of course, he can. As a little side note here, Ahmet Ertegen became one of the biggest names in music. Uh, he worked with the Bee Gees and a bunch of whole whole bunch of other people. When Ray's relationship with Della B is deepening, he asks her to always tell him the truth and to never pity him. And she does tell him the truth, but he doesn't always want to hear it. For example, when she initially confronts him about his heroin use, his shadow emerges. This particular action under pressure lets us know that Ray is an addict. I don't know if there's any such thing as casual heroin use. I have no idea. But at this point, the action that he takes under pressure is to lash out at Della B, the one person who he knows will never, ever lie to him. His shadow comes out and attacks her. That reveals who he is in that moment. And it's an addict. Alrighty. So all of this to say, we need to remember that Yes, sometimes a character does change from the beginning of a story to the end. More often, though, a character's true nature is revealed to us over the course of a story. 
and what changes isn't the character at all, but our perception of him. Those revelations happen because of the character's actions. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the Maya Angelou quote, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. That's true in life and it's true in fiction. And this season, that's really what I'm going to be drilling down into and and studying. This week, I've basically introduced the theory and I've shown you briefly how it worked in Ray. Uh, but stay tuned for the rest of the season because there's lots more to come. Melanie, how did you do with your uh, study of world building this week? Well, I'm finding this really fascinating already, and uh, I think it's going well. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> now, normally when we talk about world building, um, what writers mean or they think about is science fiction or fantasy worlds, which is really understandable because they are essential components of those types of stories. But world building is essential or important in every story. Now, there were two things that inspired me to look at world building in stories this season. And the first was Valerie's analysis of Michael Corleone's environment as an explanation of how he became the Don. And I also recently read a quote from one of my favourite Australian authors, Kate Forsyth, and Kate says in her essay, The Simple Act of Reading, and I quote, when I read, the real world disappears and only the invented world of the book remains, unquote. Now, both of these events were serendipitous moments because it reminded me that I too need to put the finishing touches on the world that I've created in my work in progress. So my story is set in a small fictional outback town in Queensland and it's a performance story, but it's based on a competition that is not widely understood. So I have to create this world for the reader. Now, I think I'm doing a good job, but I do need to, to add the finishing touches to the world. So that is why I'm looking at world building this season. Now, I was concerned that I was overthinking world building in familiar worlds, but it turns out that I'm not. So there is more to world building than most writers know. And this is why I love doing this podcast, right? Because I get to level up my understanding of theory and also share the bumps and the bounces with you. Now, let's start big this week with the why and the how world building in stories occurs. Now, the Cambridge Introduction to Narrative, second edition by H. Porter Abbott, says about narrative space, when creating stories, by default, you are creating narrative space. That space get, gets filled with things. Action makes space, and this space can be small or big, depending on what you'd like to include or not include. And that's from page 162. So we as writers populate the space not only with characters, but also with atmosphere. So as storytellers, we have a blank page or a blank screen to fill where character may be the first resident in the story world. We can either create a whole world around them or in the case of Ray, choose specific aspects of the character's world to support their story. Now, before I go on and talk a bit more about that in detail, 
Valerie, is there anything you wanted to add about the world building and supporting a character or how that plays out? I'm telling you the Godfather is just going to keep coming up because (laughs) you've done it as well. I think so often, even though you pick your topic, uh, you know, independently of me picking my topic, so often they, they work together so well because all of the storytelling principles overlap. It's really, really hard to separate them out and put them in silos. So as we learned in The Godfather, the character's environment or the world that the character exists within has a huge impact on who that character is and how they behave under pressure. So yeah, I think these two topics go hand in glove and I'm really curious to see what you come up with this season. Well, it's interesting too. So I did a course this week on systems theory. So, you know, systems of systems and systems theory thinking. And all the the whole time I was in this course, the story was exactly what I was thinking about when I was <laughs> when I was doing this course and all the different complexities that you can create. But I really like what you were saying and that's it reminded me when you were saying that is yes, they're all interconnected. So we come to the page with a blank page and an idea and then we develop this world and this system for our characters to act in and it's truly fascinating and so interconnected anyway I'm going to nerd out so I better get back on (laughs) better get back on track (laughs) all right so here are some some of the theory that I think is pertinent for Ray now there are three worlds presented in the movie Ray the world where he lives, you know, once he leaves Tampa. So there's also the world of his childhood and the events that haunt him and catch him off guard. So first we'll look at the main world Ray occupies for the movie, which is the one that he starts when he moves to Seattle. Now the world Ray occupied is mainly full of well-known performance venues and recording studios You know, this performance world is also filled with characters who, in the beginning, take advantage of Ray. So Ray's world at the beginning of the story is actually quite cramped as well. He is either in the club or at Marlene's house and his movements are restricted by Marlene and Gossie who also control his access to money. So at the beginning the clubs are dingy and the audiences are small and they are only African-American audiences, and there's only one or two dancers as well. The decor is dark, and the only friend Ray has is Quincy Jones and eventually Oberon. Now, over time, Ray's world changes in three main ways, and each of these are supported by the physical locations as well as the people in those worlds. So first, his, as, and as his performances and reputations increase in popularity, his audience grows as well. So first, in, and in according to the movie, the audience is African-American in the clubs up until he signs with Atlantic Records. Then we start to see a few Anglo-Saxons dancing in the clubs. And once he's more popular, the venues change to concert halls where segregation is more strictly enforced. The broader his audience, the more controversial he becomes, and he is also forced to take a moral stand in Georgia, 
Now, of course, hand in hand with the larger venues is more money. Ray's business acumen grows and his popularity earns him more and more money and it gives him power. And this is reflected in the shift from the small recording studio to recording studios with office space next to it. So Ray also has the power to demand more control over his intellectual property and he gets ownership of his master recordings. Now, the world Ray occupies open ups and becomes more opulent as his success increases as well. The number of people around Ray also increases as he becomes more and more successful. Ray starts out alone at the bus stop in Tampa, and as we travel through the movie, the number of men involved in the management of his business grows. And musically, he also goes from a trio to a travelling band that, you know, keep him at arm's length and also resents his blindness, but he does gain some friends like Jeff the driver. Then once Ray is acquired by Atlantic, he shifts into the recording studio and he has a studio band, plus the promoters at Atlantic who are there to expand the recording industry the number of them grow too. So Ahmet and Jerry spend more and more time with him and Ray gets a manager, Milt, and of course he also has Marianne and Margie and Della Ray. The move to ABC again means even more money, more success and larger audiences and bigger recording studios. Ray is also moving his family into bigger houses but he's not there to be with his family or or create a home. And so the homes are like gilded cages for Delaray. The family home becomes more and more vacant as Ray becomes more and more successful. Now, this is a great use of the setting in Ray's world to support his story. There's a big contrast between filling larger and larger concert venues with adoring music fans and buying larger and larger homes, but not being able to give his family time and love. The physical world is supporting Ray's actions as a character externally, but also as well as internally. Now, this is where the crossover between the main story world and the other two story worlds occur. And I believe the three worlds are linked by Ray's drug use which in turn is linked to the people surrounding Ray who enable him to be an addict. Now, while Ray has all the success he could hope for, he is still a cripple and being taken advantage of. And this happens for as long as he is addicted to heroin. Now, Ray's childhood and his haunted world are parallel story worlds and they are both told virtually in flashback. And they really are, well, what I think they are, is Ray's internal world. So they are his memories of his mother and also of his trauma. And at the centre of his internal world is poverty. Everything stems from his poverty. And this is why Aretha teaches him to be independent despite his disability. It's why she sends him away so that he can get an education so he doesn't have to live hand to mouth like she does. 
and she makes him promise that he won't let anyone treat him like a cripple and that he will stand on his own two feet. Now the haunted world originates from the death of Ray's brother George and he travels through the other side of that world when he goes into rehab and when he accepts that his mother and George aren't gone, that they are still with him, this is the moment when he doesn't have to deal with the pain of losing them and he can finally kick his drug habit. So Ray's blindness Maybe wasn't his disability after all. It was his drug addiction that became his handicap. Now, the purpose of the younger Ray storylines were to explain why Ray was like he was, but it also shows some of his inner world, the memories that he carried with him and his experiences of his childhood. Now, all three of these worlds form Ray's success story which is what we see on the screen. In the world of the movie Ray, it is filled with similar locations that vary over time and they are representative of where Ray started in his music career and just how successful he grew to be. But the world of the movie is very specific and it supports that story of Ray Charles' life. Now, of course, the main story starts in 1946 and concludes in about 1965 or so. Now, that is a lot of time. The time periods of Ray's life are signalled by the dates that appear on the screen. And the time periods are also represented by the social politics of segregation and white people's attitudes to blacks in the dialogue and also their action. There are also vehicles, the Dakota, the old movie footage, buildings and clothes. Now, we'd expect all of this in a biopic set in the time period covered by this movie. The world of the movie is also supported by the compression of time and the expansion of certain events in Ray's life. The movie covers about 45 years of time in two and a half hours so the movie is a highlight reel of Ray Charles's life and the world building supports the story of Ray Charles's childhood, the evolution of his music, his family life, his drug addiction and his success and it does this by building the world in which all of these things occurred. Oh, so that's a lot, right? So world building is obviously very big. <laughs> All right, so I'll finish up there. So you can start to get a taste of what the sort of things I'm going to look at this season. But um, while I go and have a, a small break, um, Valerie, what's your action step for this week? All righty. What I want you to do is get to know your protagonist. Knowing the superficial stuff is fine, but it's not enough. We've got to take the time to get to know the character, know them as well as we know our best friend. And this is really important because without this deep level of knowledge, our stories are going to be mediocre at best. And with AI breathing down our necks, mediocre in any domain, in any industry, isn't going to cut it. Right, that wraps it up for this week. Join us again next week when we discuss... Can you ever forgive me? 
To support the show, please leave us a rating and review and tell your writer friends about us. For access to writing templates and worksheets and more than 70 hours of training, subscribe to Valerie's Inner Circle by visiting valeriefrancis.ca slash inner circle and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Valerie underscore Francis. If you'd like to get my tips about books to help you read like a writer, visit me on Facebook and Instagram under Melanie Hill Author or find out more about me at melaniehill.com.au. And remember, story theory doesn't have to be difficult. It's a tool to help you write more, not less. So take it one step at a time and have fun. Mm-hmm.